0: Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, as you may have heard today, Michael D. Higgins is the latest politician to express his revulsion over the explosion at a hospital in Gaza, which has killed hundreds. He says it should be investigated as a possible war crime, yet it's far from clear who is responsible. Hamas blames Israel. Israel has produced satellite images and recordings, which they say proved the destruction was caused by a misfiring rocket from inside Gaza. So how are such things actually verified? We're joined by Security and Defence Analyst Declan Power. Afternoon, Declan. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you? I I assume to get to, uh, uh, inarguably get to the bottom of it, you'd really need someone to go in there. You really
1: would need somebody to be able to go in on the ground, I agree. Now, um, it probably, it it does help that uh, the Israelis... uh, claim they have this uh, data and they, you know, some of it has been released into the, you know, the, the general infosphere. But you need an independent form of verification to give it authenticity. Uh, and I think the Israelis know that. So the more the, the more that they can cooperate with an independent team of verification, the, the better it will be for all concerned in terms of, of, of getting a resolution to, to this particular issue. But ultimately... Um, these things are often uh, decided by what used to be known in the days when the Irish Defence Forces were very active in Lebanon as crater analysis. And that is essentially getting into the site uh, of it, with a team that are trained and experienced in this and they can determine... Uh, trajectories of the, the the munitions used so they tell very quickly whether this was a missile fired from an aircraft or a shell fired from um, a, an artillery weapon uh, or a, a ground fired rocket or an air fired rocket or some other form of munition or indeed explosives that were detonated in proximity or something of that nature because claims have been made i mean the, the, throughout the time that my time in in the army, uh, there were constant claims and counterclaims made and crater analysis was very important to determine where uh, where an attack had emanated from. And unfortunately, in this case, I'd say it's highly unlikely that a team of experts would get in because to get in, you would need A, first of all, the um, authority of uh, Israel to be allowed to get, get into the general area. Secondly, you would have to have the cooperation uh, and, uh, of Hamas. Uh, once you would be on the ground in, in Gaza. And thirdly, you would need both sides to cease hostilities for that period because... It would be extremely dangerous for a team trying to conduct the necessary uh, observations and tests in the rubble of that. It would be dangerous anyway, even if the fighting stopped, because you're 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 trying to get into the rubble of a collapsed building. Uh, God knows what other uh, devices might be around the place, and just the the the, the dangers that are. Uh, with uh, collapsed buildings and trying to manoeuvre through them. Mm -hmm. But add into that uh, missile strikes uh, you know, shelling, incessant shelling uh, and whatever else and you know, you're talking about a a hornet's nest that would be difficult to navigate.
0: Yeah, and apart from analysing the crater and being able to tell at least from what direction it came, can you analyse that scene and, and see what the explosive substance was and perhaps that could provide a further clue?
1: Yes, exactly. These teams uh would be a little bit akin to the uh, p- uh fire investigators you get with uh you know that would go on to a site after a major fire and they would be able to understand the tr- you know the tr- tracking of the fire and where the the uh, uh point of inc- incendiary took place and accelerants. So similarly with this, uh, one of the things that you would look for in crater analysis is debris from the munition, uh what's left off the shell. People may remember um in, over the last year in Ukraine, oftentimes that would be an issue between the Ukrainians and the Russians. And they would they would show on national international media uh, remnants of uh, casings, because you know, a lot of this stuff uh, is still uh, traceable. And that's why, uh, you know, if you really want to be upfront and honest about it, getting people onto the ground, and even if they're not independent verifiers, it helps hugely. If you get a team of people onto the ground, find remnants of if it was a missile uh, strike you're going to find maybe the tail fins you're going to find some aspect of it uh, and you mightn't even need to be an expert then to be able to find out verification because if there are elements of the casing or the tail fin left there'll probably be a numbering on it or lettering on it that will indicate uh, where it came from like if it was an israeli weapon system it's probably um it's probably u.s made munitions Mm -hmm. And if it's, you could say the Hamas, um, as I understand it, the accusation is it's not a Hamas missile, but one of the uh, jihadi brigades, another extremist militia group there that would operate under Hamas's um, authority. And that's more likely to be something coming from the Eastern Bloc side of the world, uh, generally speaking. But I mean, you know, it would depend on what their their lineup of uh, you know uh, missiles were, and uh, people who are studying the actual munitions lineup on both sides would know exactly what Hamas uh, has at its disposal and the rockets that are being fired in, and it would it would be fairly clear. So you could you could argue like you know depending on. Who has more to hide? I mean, if a camera crew uh, uh, were brought in, or you know, if there was filming done immediately at the site where, the, if the site of impact was found, uh, and if there were any munitions found. But of course, the other side to that is people would say, "Well, that was those munitions were uh, those they were elsewhere, and they were brought to there." And you know, that without independent verification, you can't be sure of that. And mm-hmm. it's hugely emotive. And we in Ireland, we have a bit of skin in the game because. Um, when I served in the army, there was I served under a man named uh, Des Travers, Colonel Des Travers. Uh, any listeners out there with military service may have known him. Des is a, a highly skilled uh, officer of, uh, of the highest integrity. And the thing is, you need both those elements because Des was involved uh, both as a serving soldier and later as a, a, a civilian military expert in that kind of thing. Crater analysis, studying the impact of detonations with a view to... Uh, providing analysis and information to various international tribunals to establish whether uh, these incidents uh, constituted war crimes. And Des then also gave evidence, uh, I think at The Hague, if memory serves me correctly, and, and other locations. But the thing about this too is the individuals, they're not just at risk physically if they're going to a location like that. They're at risk reputationally. So the, the men or women who are asked to do this independent verification can have their reputations torn asunder in the court of international opinion. Now, yeah. all the more so because of social media. So it's a, it's, a, it's a tall order. It's a big ask. The people who do this are they're special people.
0: The, and, and, and from what is known about the kind of armaments um, Islamic Jihad have or Hamas have, is it credible that one of their rockets could just completely flatten a building the way it did or it seemed to kind of turn the place into a conflagration? Does that sound likely to you if that's, that's what happened?
1: It's a possibility, yeah, because one thing that we've seen since the, the, the start of this iteration of conflict between um, Israel and Hamas is the, that the Hamas seem to have uh, hugely improved the quantity and quality and capacity of the uh, missiles and rockets that they've been using to attack Israel. Uh, heretofore, they weren't particularly um, efficient, uh, and they, there were technical problems, and you would have misfires, uh, which, of course, could well be the case here. And you could have something that ha- had greater explosive capacity and range that misfire due to electronic failure or to the incompetence of the individuals operating the firing system, because let's be clear about this. The problem with militia groups is that the level and capacity of the individuals using these systems uh, are not professionalized. They're not uh, systemized across the board. So you could have one team that know what they're doing and another team that haven't a clue. And uh, it's a little bit of trial and error. And the whole emphasis and pressure is to detonate these things, to get them up into the air. And mistakes will happen. Mistakes can happen on both sides Mm -hmm. Uh, once you once you get into a theater of operations and the the pressures come on. But there are more likely to be pressures where you have a a, a less professionally trained outfit. And one example of that, if people remember back to 2014, the um, missile system that took down the Malaysian airliner over uh, the Donetsk region of Ukraine. And there were all kinds of accusations about that. And the bottom line of what happened there was a militia group ostensibly a militia group that were pro-Russian were responsible for having fired at what they thought was a Ukrainian uh, aircraft. But this missile system was designed to be used as part of a cluster that were connected up to a radar with the proper command and control system as part of a a conventional operation. But this was one strand of it. This was one missile battery that wasn't connected up to that, being used with a regular force, probably regular Russian forces that were using it, but they weren't connected up to have the eyes and the sensory systems to know exactly what they were firing at. They thought they were firing at a Ukrainian military aircraft. They were firing at a civil airliner and we know what happened. So um, that's just by way of a, a yardstick as to how, mm. how these things can have catastrophic consequences.
0: Yeah. And the the, the and now the, the idea for fairly quick to uh, release um, recordings and uh, satellite images and, and the like um I mean, I know it can't be definitively told one way or the other unless somebody was on the ground. But d- does that stuff look credible to you?
1: I have to say, on first impressions, yeah. And it,
0: it, it, it's not just that it looks credible from
1: a technical point of view, but uh, knowing the modus operandi, the operational modus operandi of, of both mass and Hezbollah. Uh, It has always been to site these weapon systems near to things like hospitals, schools uh, and other uh, civil targets. And this has often been the bugbear of the the Israelis. And the Oslo agreement back in the 90s was to try and limit the carnage to civilians where both sides would agree, A, not to site weapons beside blatantly civilian protected uh, sites such as a school or a hospital and not to respond uh, to an attack. Uh, from somewhere like that. That was the whole idea of the Oslo agreements. Now under international uh, uh, law of conflict, the Israelis claim that, well, they do not seek to target those areas but if uh, a strike comes from that area, that they are entitled to respond to it. And if you go into the fine-tuned letter of the law, you could argue, yes, that's a defence, but the problem is you you have to be cognizant that when you're doing that, you may you may hit the target, you may hit the legitimate target, but the munition systems being used are likely to cause carnage to people who are in the vicinity that are not legitimate targets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And this this is the problem of trying to wage that kind of conventional kinetic warfare, that bombardment uh, approach in such a built-up area as the Gaza Strip and Gaza City itself.
0: Yeah, yeah and because the, the, the Israelis, as part of their uh, um, evidence today... Show you know showed a map of Gaza with loads of misfirings that were taking place. It seems to be routinely the case there, or, or you know, it's hard to tell but if that, it is or not.
1: Well, that doesn't surprise me. I don't have definitive information on that mm. at this point, but but in, on a general basis, that that chimes with the the long term process. I mean, if you were to do a quantitative analysis of reports. Uh, about firings of rockets into Israel, quite a number of them misfire. That's why, in many respects, the Israelis were so overwhelmed. Their their Iron Dome system was overwhelmed in the early in the attack uh, that has prompted all of this, because they were, they weren't used to the volume or the. Not even the accuracy, but the overwhelming number of rockets that would make it into their airspace as a threat in the first place, because oftentimes there are those exactly those misfires you've talked about, and for the very reasons that I think I've outlined. Uh, so yeah, it, it stands to reason, and the Israelis are are, are right to uh, to produce that if uh, if they are clear in their minds that they are not responsible for it. The best thing the Israelis could do for their own reputation is to. A seed to uh, an independent verification team. But the problem is this, then. What constitutes an independent verification team? Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you this, you could put together a team of, uh, just for argument's sake, Europeans with you know, good track records, and one side will tear them apart reputationally if it's not going the direction they want. Um, uh, and... and, and it doesn't really matter then because a significant mm-hmm. chunk of people will believe what they want to believe. And that's the tragedy of this. It, uh, could it also be the case
0: that it's too late anyway now at this point? Even if they sent in a verification team, it's not beyond Hamas, Hamas I'm sure, even if the Israelis are 100% telling the truth, to bring in a few, you know, remnants of rockets from other sites and throw them in the rubble there and say, look, there you go.
1: Absolutely. No, you're quite right. Uh, now, a, a, well, a well-trained team would spot uh, planted evidence, uh, they would be able to, you know, they would be able to tell you'd have to be very skill, skillful to to mock it up for, to fool a verification team. But you wouldn't have to be too skillful to mock it up and take footage of it uh, and and convince people in in such ways to suit your your needs. I so remember. Um, serving in South Sudan once, when there was an attack on, a, on an IDP camp, a you know internally displaced persons camp, by Sudanese uh, uh, military forces, and they killed a lot of innocent civilians that day. And they claimed that they did it in response to uh, weapons that were being used in the camp and being hidden in the camp for rebel forces. And they took a number of photographs and put them out. And even initially, the, the UN civil affairs people who weren't Uh, literate in in military uh, munitions, kind of took it on board. And there was a kind of a a narrative developing that, okay, civilians got killed or IDPs got killed, but uh, this was a necessity or this was a response to something legitimate. And somebody like myself or others that would have more knowledge of these things, so that these This is complete nonsense. These weapons had been planted. They weren't even of the capacity for the claims that were being made about them. And this is the thing, you know, in terms of looking at claims, you need to have clear-eyed, cold, detached, objective analysis and assessments of the weapon systems used and the damage done, and do they match up?
0: Declan, thanks a million for speaking with us today. That was uh, the defence and security analyst, uh, Declan Power there. A few comments on that. Uh, One person says... We've been here before with Iraq when people wouldn't believe a word from inspectors either. Uh, That's, uh, yes, the weapons of mass destruction inspectors. Blair uh, and Bush killed thousands based on codology and bias. Uh, Someone else says, Israel has shown little regard for the civilians in Gaza over the last 11 days. So I struggle to give them the benefit of the doubt over last night's hospital attack. But Declan's explanation is interesting. Uh, someone else makes a similar point. The Israeli army have a long history of hitting civilian buildings despite having the most advanced weapon systems. It it's only a few years ago that they hit a UN compound giving shelter to uh, women and children. Well, yeah, and this is not to make a judgment as to whether th- they did or they didn't. But if they did, it would be... Uh, I think that th- there's no other military strike they've made against Gaza. That's as uh, uh, That would it be as disastrous as that. Obviously, they're... Uh, they're vehemently um, uh, denying it. And someone else says, has any other Hamas rocket caused that much damage? Uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that. Now, I imagine if if the rocket came from, as, as uh, Israel is alleging, came from a, 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 from a graveyard that was quite close and then it misfired and landed on this particular hospital. I suppose in a hospital already there are things that are highly combustible. They would have, you know, gases and the like. So uh, perhaps that would have added to it. But that's just... Wild speculation on the base of some from someone who doesn't know that much about it. Moncrief. weekdays at two pm with Anne Glaze on News Talk.